Welcome back to Love That For Us with your hosts, Allie and Alan, your two favorite coaches who always keep it real with you. We do our best. On this week's episode, we are going to talk all about toxic families and what that looks like. This was a listener request, a request from you guys um, a little bit ago, a while back. We're just getting to it now. Um so excited to kind of dive into it. This is yeah. your area of expertise. Yeah. Far more. Totally. But definitely excited to to chat about it today and kind of go into it a little bit. Yeah. So I'm a pretty open book about my um family dynamic. I feel like I used to post about it way more than I post about it now because I'm just at a different place with it all. But I mean, what do you feel when you hear toxic like when and when you hear toxic family oh I think of I think of my own you think of your own yeah and so I was just thinking that though when okay so it is a broad topic yeah yeah yeah, so like or a broad phrase I guess um toxic families I think when I think of the word toxic just an all in caps in all encapsulating summary of it is just something that isn't healthy So like, it's not healthy. So whatever that family dynamic is, there's going to be a spectrum of toxicity where like abuse, um, on an extreme end. And then just like so much, um, just unhealthy, unhealthy behaviors that, you know, I was just thinking of it though. Like I, I mean, blanket would say that there's not a perfect family for sure 100 I wouldn't class it I wouldn't be like they're oh, all everyone being yeah. and there's no perfect human beings so I'm not therefore. gonna say every family is toxic I just yeah. think like the phrase toxic is like an interesting one to think about totally um but I feel like you obviously this person wrote in and was like so felt that that applied to their situation yeah I think totally. if you're using it then you feel that but I just I don't know I just kind of yeah that one up. totally and I think you know there can also be like a toxic relationship within a family unit and that doesn't mean that your entire family Families. is toxic um right and you know even like back in the day when I was talking about this more family members would get upset that I was talking about a toxic family situations or dysfunctional family situations and Um, I would always disclaim to them, like, just because like how we all come together is toxic doesn't mean that everyone's toxic as individuals too, right? So, you know, we all show up differently in different relationships, but I think it's really interesting. And I studied a little bit of this in college, um, back when I was a psych major, but we, I forget what the theory is called, but we all essentially wear a role in our family and we're often assign this role relatively young and we carry that role throughout our entire um family systems right actually I think it's called family system now that I say that um but I think that's really interesting too because you have to think about where you fall in your family the role that you have and the roles that everyone else has because oftentimes you can have a family cycle that feels toxic but all it can take is one key part of that system to change for it to have a massive ripple effect Um, which is really hopeful too so we'll talk about some of those tools um 
today in this recording so that if you do feel like your family's toxic, it's not like your family's toxic. There's nothing you can do about it. Bye. Like it doesn't have to be that grim. Um, you can definitely create some change within your family cycle as well. Right. Um, when did you, when did you, um, I mean, I preface like mine isn't this, I don't mean to like put you on the spot. No, yeah. We've talked happy, about this. Happy, this is like more an open book yeah. on the end. Yeah. I mean, my family is not, you don't classify your family as toxic. No, I don't classify them as toxic. We're yeah. not perfect. No family yeah. to, you know, no one's perfect, but I, yeah. Yeah. We just differ in that. For sure. We've had very different upbringings. Yeah as we've talked about on the show yeah um so that's just an opening an opener for this one <laughs> that is um, the, Allie, the Allie show but not yeah. just for that reason because I identify with this topic more yeah when did you like start I, yeah when did you that was my question like when did you start identifying or like realizing my family is toxic yeah I like I like dysfunctional you said that earlier yeah dysfunctional um, like it just doesn't fun like operate yeah. necessarily in a way that is beneficial or uh, healthy for everyone uh, yes you but know, I I think my family in specific okay, yeah, fell into you. the toxic you do, you, when did you feel your family was honestly like elementary school really yeah see I didn't like even I think it's so interesting getting older or I feel like yeah. even once I got to when I got to college I think even was when I realized like I always knew friends had like difficult or different family lives, but uh-huh. I think more so maybe when you go to college or I don't just like even growing up, the yeah. older you get, I think, and the more experiences you go through. I think well, I also think it's really how exposed in some ways Fair. your parents either had you to this dysfunction or not. And in my family system and why I can really like label the dysfunction is because it was never, um, hidden from me so I grew up very quick in a lot of ways because there was a lot of adult problems and just so everyone has like a frame of reference for how my um family tree is so to say um let us go down a lesson yeah so obviously mom and dad my mom and dad um got married later in life they both had previous marriages my mom had three kids from a previous marriage they are much older than me um between 15 and 25 years older than me. And then my dad had no kids. They got married later in life, early thirties. And then they had me about mid thirties. My mom was actually later 30. She was 38. She's a little bit older than my dad. Um, and so when I was growing up, I had siblings who were teenagers in their twenties and were going through a lot of life. Uh, my parents also didn't get along. I don't ever really remember them getting along, being completely honest with you. So I saw a lot of fights and a lot of arguments my whole life, not just arguments from my parents, but arguments with my siblings and my mom, my siblings and my dad, um, my parents fighting each other. There was a lot of police involved. We spent a lot of nights in like hotels, stuff like that. So that's where it's like, that's six true. years old That's I'm true. like oh this like I did not want that. this is toxic right and I didn't label it as toxic but like I had therapists I had people right. being like 
we we have to talk about what you saw or what you witnessed that kind of stuff and I appreciate my parents for putting me in therapy at a very young age yeah Yeah. a lot of play therapy a lot of like playing play-doh and talking to a therapist or playing you know board games and talking to a therapist my parents also split up when I was five for like a few months or a year I don't remember how long and they got back together to try to make it work but during the time they split up I also was going to therapy I had a lot of behavioral issues did you yeah like what um extreme anxiety that manifested in like crying screaming Mm -hmm. biting I like almost had to go be put in special education because the teachers were like we can't control her because it was just like a manifestation of everything that was going on at home so again I ended up getting help I ended up always being in like mainstream school and did great no longer bite school yeah wasn't fighting teachers anymore (laughs) that was kindergarten um but yeah and I also had a lot of adults being like I had a lot of like good other adults in my life who were like we want you to know this isn't normal like, we don't want you growing up thinking that, like, your parents. That's a big thing. Fighting that much yeah. or your parents, like, the police coming to your house. Like, you don't have to, this doesn't have to be normal. So I think it was very interesting how I grew up being the only child in a very adult world, because I didn't have any siblings my age, who saw, I was like an old soul. I always, like, saw it being like, oh, this is chaos. Right. This is very chaotic. It wasn't until high, no, not even high school, college though, that I did start to separate myself from it. So up until like elementary, middle school, high school, and early college, I was still very much like, well, because you can't necessarily. Yeah, for sure. Like a ton, yeah. Right? I mean, if we had my fiance on this, he would say, I, I left when I was 16. I know. You could have left, but yeah. It's not, I mean, but even, I mean, 16 is. I mean, it's yeah. very young, but yes. even still like, yeah, it's still some, older. Yeah. yeah. When you're like in elementary school, you for sure can't really separate yourself from it. Yeah. Um, so in college, it really became clear that like, oh, this is like, this is like a lot. And my anxiety had manifested so much that I was on anxiety meds. I was having panic attacks all the time. I was doing self-harm to try to control my anxiety. And then I was trying to go to family situations that were just really toxic, a lot of fighting, pushing, people getting physical. And I was like, no wonder I have anxiety. (laughs) Like my entire life has been, all I've seen is chaos. I've just seen people in pain. And I've always been the fixer, kind of going back to family systems. So I was the person who was like, I want everyone to be happy. I want everyone to feel good. I want everyone to be okay. And I was also the youngest. So I was a child trying to make a lot of adults happy. Mm -hmm. Um, And once I started doing my own work, I was like, I can't be this person forever. Um, And just to catch you up, by the time I was in college, my parents divorced when I was 12. So they were fully split. My parents have no communication with each other. They haven't had any communication since they're divorced with each other. I spent 50-50 with my parents up till high school, but then my dad kind of stopped talking to me in high school and the end of high school. So by the time I was in college, I didn't- For what reason? Um, you know, he likes- we have our different perspectives on why we don't speak, but really I think what it ultimately comes down to is I didn't turn out to be the daughter that he wanted. 
So he's very conservative. He's very um, Republican, Christian, and he's like, I have this progressive daughter who talks about her feelings a lot. You didn't stay in the cult. I didn't stay in the cult. No, <laughs> not religious. <laughs> I think he thinks he lives in Texas, like California. There's just a lot of misalignment there. And I think for me, I stopped putting effort in the second I realized my dad was emotionally unavailable. And I realized I would never be what or who in his head he wanted me to be. And I was like, I'm not going to live my whole life trying to prove my worth. I feel like that's very hard. I mean, father. It was hard hard. in my earlier 20s. Now that it's been like 10 plus years that we haven't had a relationship, it's gotten easier to speak to the worth and the the I think that's something that you could speak to more and like that a lot of people would struggle with is even if someone's emotionally unavailable and you can like see that the being able to walk away yeah be on the caveat that it's yeah family. well and I think what was really interesting is it, like how you do I that. it was a cycle like right. I because my dad I was never enough for my dad I learned that I had to prove myself to men and that I always had to try to become something they were happy with. So when I was in a toxic and abusive relationship, I was like, I'm always proving myself to this guy um, to the extent of him being like, I'm not going to talk to you for three weeks until you've proven to me that you're good enough for me to talk to you. And I would literally go and do it. I would go and be oh, I had like lists. It would be like, you're not you need to go unfollow every guy on social media what? you need to send me a picture oh before you go out and when you get home so I can tell if your makeup's messed up if you've like kissed anyone you need to abstain from like abstain? talking to talking to, talking to any men it was wild and I would do it and I would work so hard to prove my worth and then he would be like you're worthy Ew. again Ew. I'll accept you back it was crazy you guys again I always talk about this I lived a previous life I've lived multiple lives in this Allie's a part of have you ever seen the um the wild wild west no nothing wild west have I ever seen well you like horses now but it's not horses no I am a horse girl um it's not horse related at all it's like um kind of like I don't want to say cults, but interesting. I'll show you on Netflix later. Yeah, I mean, but it's just cult like, leaders are narcissists, right? And um, yeah, I just think the psychology behind that is interesting, but I, it's like really wild. Yeah, you've been through the wildest shit. I have. I mean, we are, we've all been through interesting things, but like, yeah, I've never. Yeah, I'm like, what? I know. Come again. again. My story is pretty crazy. How I'm here today, but that was when it really became clear to me. And and I don't, I think for other people who don't have to break, who don't have to associate the relationship that they're in romantically with their relationship with their dad. But once I was really on my recovery journey and I was like, whoa, like this is a cycle. Like I, I just will do anything to see, to get a guy's love and acceptance was when I was like, absolutely not. Will I ever for a man be in that position ever again? And unfortunately, or fortunately, depending how you look at it, my dad fell into that same bucket. And so I started to have really high standards for myself. And I started to um, boundary up and be like, if you can't accept me for who I am, then you can't be in my energy. You can't be in my world. And he was very much of the attitude of like, well, if you can't be 
these things x y and z that I'm not gonna have a relationship with you and I was like well yeah like I don't know what to tell you because I'm not so hard I mean that's so easy though to sit here and say but no I get it yeah I get well in time the in time and also like if it also becomes easy as people are going to think this sounds so sad and they don't want anyone to pity me, but it's not like my dad like calls me. It's not like he's like, happy birthday. It's not like he tries at all. So also when it's like, when someone passes away, you're like, I just have to accept this is the relationship. In a lot of ways, even though he's still like physically here on this earth, I'm like, he hasn't chosen to have a relationship with me. And it's, the door is always open. If he wants to come and say, Hey, I want to learn about your life. I want to learn about you. I want to, you know, be a part of this existence of yours. He could. And so until he does, I'm like, I'm not going to go to him right, and do it because I really feel like he's the parent and he only has one child in this lifetime in the same way that I do only have one father, but I feel like I've already extended that olive branch to him and he hasn't taken it my entire life so I'm like now it's your turn if you ever want to and not that I'm counting down the seconds for the Mm -hmm. day to get that phone call or email or however that comes in um but yeah so that really started happening in college and then with my older siblings a lot of the um toxic behavior that I had witnessed once I was an adult it became well you're an adult I have an important caveat I haven't mentioned yet, but, um, there's always something you're an adult. And also you've always been quote unquote, perfect. It was kind of how everyone viewed me in the family cycle. Like I was always like the good girl who got good grades, who made my parents happy. And when I became an adult, it, that just intensified, like you get the good job to take care of the family. You take care of mom you solve all the problems and I was like 25 and they were all like in their 40s and their 50s and I was like am I not supposed to make something of myself you guys are immediately putting the responsibility of the family on me which required me also with them and my siblings to start being like no I am going to have boundaries for myself so a lot of boundaries have been um, put into place with my family in order for me to live my life the way I do today which is ultimately like very much so in peace and I don't think I would have that peace I didn't have that internal peace when I still was a part of my toxic dysfunctional fan isn't it interesting though like I think listen I mean in listening to you talk that we something on boundaries is like I feel like we live in a life or like we live our lives with boundaries in all areas, but we just label them. Yeah. Different. Something different. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, our boundary is like, we don't stay up 24 seven. Yeah. Right. Like we go like, but we don't call that a boundary for sure. We just call that maybe like self-care being normal. Like we go to sleep or uh, something tired yeah or like maybe because everyone does it but when there's yeah. something like this that we feel like isn't as yeah normal or run of the mill right. like especially when it comes to family we we're like oh it's a boundary and I don't know and it's like feels so weird yeah. and people wrestle with it and I yeah I just think it can become much more ease-filled and normalized yeah. like if you totally take that pressure off it like yeah 
it's never, I'm not trying to make light of the fact that it's always hard yeah. with family and set those lines. Yeah. But well, and again, it's like it, we grow up our whole lives with kind of what you're talking about, certain boundaries established. And so it's really identifying like, especially in, I think, a toxic or dysfunctional family, there's a lot of triggers, right? So there's a lot of unprocessed pain and years usually in a family system of unprocessed pain. And so people have really easy triggers. And so when you have a toxic or dysfunctional family, there's like landmines you are stepping all around. So for me, it was like, I can't keep doing things the same way that I've been doing them. I have to change them. What do I need? Um, And this can look different for everyone. And a lot of clients that I coach on this kind of stuff who have some difficult family units, I'm like, this isn't black and white. There's a ton of gray area, but what you really have to identify is where in your family cycle are you triggered? Where are you potentially getting hurt? Mm-hmm. Um, where it's unnecessary pain? And how can you then set the boundaries so that you're not getting to that limit? So some things they talk about with them are setting um, communication rules. Like, hey, if you want to have a conversation about this, I'm going to need a heads up or we're going to need to set a date. For example, like I can talk to you on Monday at three o'clock about that thing that happened with yeah. our mom or our sibling or whatever. Um, or it can be something like, I'm going to go to a family event, but I'm only going to go for two hours and making sure that that's, if that's all you can handle, it's all you can handle. You can still show face. You can work up time later, but you don't have to spend a whole week in there, for example, with them, if that doesn't um, feel good to you. So again, it's really looking at how can I change things that my family might have never experienced before. I might be the first person in generations to do things differently. Um, but something that I think is really, really beautiful about that, that I have realized is that by doing things differently, I'm creating massive waves of change. It's not just change with me and my relationships with my siblings or my mom or my dad. Um, but they are also constantly observing they are constantly witnessing my life even if that's from afar um and often and this happens with clients too that I work with people come back later down the road and they give you a lot of confirmation that what you Mm -hmm. did the changes you made were valuable because it's made them reflect it's made them change it's made them think differently review their own behaviors um because it's tough in family cycles because you can't change anyone but yourself I know you can't change anyone but yourself but you can be an example to other people and you can still um yeah have a ripple effect in your family unit totally I think that's the the riff like a lot of people get stuck in is like thinking that it will change or that you can change or something other people and that's where like you get stuck in the cycles Mm -hmm. of yeah well, it's different, I think, too, like right now I'm talking about growing up as a child and as a functional family. I think it's different if like you are a parent and you have a child, right? Like you then can change a lot if like you have a dysfunctional family or you fight with your partner or whatever in front of your kiddo, um, stuff like that. Like you can change that drastically and change that experience for your entire family unit. But if you're growing up with all adults or if you are... an adult now too but you have a bunch of other adults like you can't change all those adults right like those adults have to make the decision to change themselves so by you changing it you get to be an example and then kind of going back to the kid thing um like Chris and I my fiance and I have had so many conversations about how we are going to raise our kids differently based off of I know it 
based <laughs> off of our own experiences of toxic generational cycles. Um, and we get to be, we get to take our like lineage as cheesy as that sounds down an entirely different it. path yeah. and change it. Then, um, I've experienced and he's experienced and I, we really are excited for our kids. Hopefully again, kind of like Alan said, not that it's going to be perfect, but to be like, wow, like we have such a great relationship with our family, something that Chris and I don't necessarily get to say, but we're really excited for our children one day to hopefully take a lot of pride in the family unit that we've created by doing it so differently. Right. Well, even like the, I know you are just hashtag obsessed with the word intention. We are. You, we are. You are. We are. <laughs> Love it. Um, but like even having that intention of, making a change I think is big Mm -hmm. that step yeah I mean yeah nothing's ever going to be yeah perfect there's I mean and I mean you're not she's not pregnant right now she's not (laughs) pregnant but it will be whenever that is your first you know it's gonna be yeah your first kid like nothing's gonna be yeah we can't predict it all yeah 100% but yeah having that and like to shift and not just like unconsciously be like yeah. Let's let it rip on this For parenting sure. thing. And I think with having toxic family members, you know, and we've talked about this, it's not like we're going to keep our child away from people they're blood related to. I especially, was just going to ask that. I was like, what do yeah. you mean? Well, especially about? if they ask. So if they're like, I want to see who's your dad, who's your grandpa. And again, it would be the kind of thing where we have agreed, we will have conversations with certain family members. And we will say like, she he wants to meet you do you want to be in their life and if so these are the boundaries for our child you know and like really set that up in a way that just because we don't have relationships with these people um I think there's a lot to be said about how parents can be better grandparents and we can give grandparents or you know for our siblings who would be aunts and uncles an opportunity to be like an amazing aunt an amazing uncle an amazing grandparent um we just are always going to make sure that those boundaries are set up for our child to be in really safe environments um and and give people the opportunity to also change the percent through the avenue of children but it's definitely going to be on like our terms and not in a subconscious place where people are just repeating cycles without realizing it like they have to be willing to put in the work too and that work is going to probably be conversations on like hey we don't yes we don't argue in front of our four-year-old so while our four-year-old's with you you cannot break out in an argument mm-hmm. with someone you know <laughs> you need to come drop them off and then go argue do that right do but like those kind of conversations will be had to make sure it's really um as healthy an environment as we can control would you say I mean, well, I guess this isn't really a fair question because I feel like historically not, I mean, not, it's not your clientele totally right now, but like historically people would be coming to you for family stuff. Yeah. But I was just like, um, you know, it's interesting is normalizing it. Yeah. I feel like a lot of clients don't come to me for it, but then we start talking about the roots of other things. Like, for example, I, I used to have a lot of clients with codependency. And usually with codependency, it's established from 
anxious attachment style in childhood. And the reason there's usually anxious attachment style is because there's trauma going on in the home. There's a fear. There's like, I don't feel safe going away. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely relate to that. So when we start talking about that and I'm always open book with my clients, the family stuff, I usually end up getting questions like, like, how do you not feel so hurt when your dad doesn't tell you happy birthday? You know, like that would really hurt me, but like, I feel like I need to create separation from my dad. So like, how do I even start this? You know, those kind of sticky things when maybe they are still subconsciously showing up to all the like family holidays, even though they leave feeling like shit every time, or there's always a blow up or they're always triggered. So starting to kind of get to the root of their anxiety and also help them with these triggers a lot of family stuff seems to come up Mm -hmm. depending how enmeshed they still are with their families of origin families of origin as we like (laughs) i think it's fascinating yeah yeah and it's kind of fun too i mean i know it's very untraditional and i'm not saying that it wouldn't be fun to have like a, a super tight family unit that were involved with we're excited one day to build that for ourselves but it's kind of fun to be like we don't go to families houses on holidays what do we want to do on holidays and how are we still going to make this special and how are we going to make this special when we have kids and really get to um create our own world just at a layer of depth that I feel like a lot of people do not feel like they have the freedom to do yeah or the confidence not necessarily confidence it's not I don't think it's confidence but like the like there's a lot of you feel like you have to there's yeah like that's a lot like you really it's like disappointment there's feelings there's letting people down yeah and I think again we've done this for years so I feel like we make this sound easy and it's not like the first few years of like no I'm not gonna go to Christmas or no I'm not going to do these things was necessarily easy there was like tears there was feeling FOMO there was hurt feelings that kind of stuff but now that it has become normal over the last decade or so um I'm really happy that I made the decisions I did to pull away because I honestly do not I know for a fact I would not live the life I do today if I would have stayed um as connected with my family unit and I would definitely I'm not ashamed to say that I am not very connected I don't speak to family very often um except my mom me and my mom do have a good relationship and we talk multiple times a week um very cool yeah so you know and that's another part of it too I think it can be bits and pieces it doesn't have to be like all family or no Real family also like which yeah what family members are willing to change how are they showing me they're willing to change and how are we shifting into a healthier relationship together boom boom so helpful good yeah i mean there's obviously a lot to dive into on it but yeah but if anyone is ever interested in coaching on this or needs some support or anything then you can definitely come my way yeah a wealth of experience um a lifetime. I have a lifetime of experience navigating the toxic family dynamic. Totally. Yeah. I love that. Not I don't I don't love that for <laughs> you, but like I just think the way that you've handled it. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Appreciate that. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you guys for joining us on today's episode. Uh if you guys are vibing 
if you're feeling it, if you like it, um, feel free to send it to someone, share it with a friend, share it on your profile, tag us. Um, we would love to see it, see what you're up to, connect with you, share it. Send us more emails on more topics. Yeah, that's how this came about. Yeah. Um, or reviews, whatever. We want to hear what you guys are liking and we'll be more of it. And if you want to catch us in the meantime, check us out on Instagram. I'm at recovery. Where am I? And Alan is at <laughs> doing you it despite. <laughs> no one's going to hear now. You're going to have to repeat it. I'm not doing it despite. There you everyone. go. There you go. Come find me. All right. We will see you all next week. Love that for us. Ooh, ooh.